Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, sister. How are you? Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, sister. Alhamdulillah, I'm good. How are you? Alhamdulillah, good. Jazakallah khair, sister, for joining us today on the Naqabi Diary. Sisters, could you please introduce yourself for the listeners and tell us a little bit about what you do? Sure. Thank you so much for this wonderful opportunity, sister. So, assalamu alaikum, everybody. I'm Saima Zulfakar, a mental health activist and counsellor based in India. I currently work as a student counsellor for the Islamic Online University, now known as the International Open University. And uh, yes, I've been practicing niqab uh, since the past five years now. So I'm really excited to share my journey with you today, inshallah. Inshallah, inshallah. Jazakallah khair, sister. And I'm really interested to know more about what you do for um, mental health, because I think it's quite an important subject, especially um, in this climate that we're living in. Absolutely. So inshallah, we'll talk more about that later on. So sister, could you um, tell us how did you come to start wearing the niqab and what made you want to wear it? Sure. So I decided to uh, wear a niqab back in 2015 and before 2015, that's around 2013 and 2014. I was contemplating about wearing it, but I wasn't quite sure because my perception about a niqab was completely contrary to the perception that I now have. So uh, earlier, unfortunately, I viewed niqab as a piece of cloth that only made it difficult for somebody to eat, uh, to drink, and basically made them miss out on the fun and goodness of this world. But uh, alhamdulillah, I then got an opportunity to study the tafsir, uh, that's uh, the meaning of the Quran and uh, I also got to learn some fiqh and that's when I started understanding the significance attached to naqab and that it's not just a piece of cloth that covers your modesty, your face or that just protects you from men but it's much more beyond that. It's, it's, it's a part of an identity, it's, it's a protection of all sorts and it's a sanctuary a comfort for me now alhamdulillah 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 so how did you come to be studying the um tafsir and what what kind of got you into that to get you to have that shift in your opinion right so i started uh studying the tafsir of the quran when i enrolled into my psychology degree mm -hmm. so i was pursuing my degree in Islamic psychology at the Islamic Online University at that time. And I was truly fascinated about how psychology is and how it relates to, uh, relates back to the traditions and teachings of Islam. So that really made me want to understand the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in more depth and to learn about uh, the meaning of the Quran, to learn about the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and what exactly was that Allah was inviting us to. And uh, basically my degree allowed me to come closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to study the deen further. So yeah, that's how I started studying tafsir and seerah. MashaAllah, alhamdulillah, that sounds amazing. Okay, so you started wearing the niqab in 2015. Um, did you have any other obstacles um, to, when you decided that you wanted to wear the niqab? You mentioned that you had a different opinion 
about when the NACAR put before obviously you started to, started looking into the tafsir and learning about it. So were there any kind of obstacles from family members or people around you, co-workers or friends, anything like that? Surprisingly, no. Uh, I had no obstacles around me when I first started, uh, when I first considered wearing a niqab. So Alhamdulillah, my family was a very supportive family. I had a really, really supportive environment, partly because I was born and raised in a Muslim country. I was born and raised in Saudi Arabia. So uh, everybody around me, my friends, my uh, aunts, uh, all the ladies around me, my mom, my siblings, would wear the niqab. So it was not something very difficult for me to consider. And uh, alhamdulillah, I really enjoyed that. So it was a sort of a conditioning for me. I was conditioned to wear it comfortably and had no obstacles around. But of course, when I moved out from Saudi Arabia to India, where uh, you don't really have a lot of practicing Muslims around, that then uh, produced a lot of obstacles on my way. And that's when uh, the definition and my perception of the niqab and everything changed. Okay, subhanAllah. So, um, have you faced any abuse since you decided to start wearing the niqab? Yes. So, up until I stayed in Saudi Arabia, alhamdulillah, I never got to see any sort of discrimination against me or any sort of, or face any sort of abuse. But when I moved down to India, of course, we have a lot of people from different faiths, uh, different understandings, different experiences. So uh, that transition was not easy for me. Uh, and I moved down to India when I got married and it was not easy because I was firstly transitioning into a new life. And then I got married into a family which was not really supportive about uh, me wanting to wear niqab. So there were definitely a lot of challenges. Uh, people around me started mocking me, uh, they started passing snarky comments, and I was always kept at a distance in gatherings and uh, family occasions. So yeah, I did go through a lot of uh, emotional and mental abuse, but alhamdulillah, never sort of a physical or a verbal abuse. So yeah. Alhamdulillah. So, so did you start wearing the niqab in Saudi Arabia and then move to India? Yes, that's right. Okay, okay, mashallah. So can you talk a little bit about your job, sister? You said that you're a mental health activist. Um, and kind of in what capacity do you work and how does the niqab kind of fit into that? So alhamdulillah, um, I am the CEO and co-founder of Afia Council and Care, which is a global mental health service uh, established in 2015. Uh, we basically provide affordable counseling and coaching services online to Muslim men and women, combining modern day psychological interventions with Islamic values. And Alhamdulillah, so far we've had the opportunity to work with uh, hundreds of Muslim men and women and help them navigate through uh, sort of their mental health and relationship crisis. So uh, in terms of uh, wearing the niqab, alhamdulillah, at my workplace, uh, I have never struggled for that because alhamdulillah, uh, it's, it's an initiative uh, that supports and empowers Muslim women. So uh, in, uh, that 
capacity alhamdulillah i've never faced any sort of obstacles at work alhamdulillah so you said you provide these services online so um how would somebody go about um seeking out advice and help from your organization uh feel free to reach out to us uh through our website i hope we can list our website in the description yes, box in sure so that's www.afiacouncilandcare.com and you can just book in your appointment there okay mashallah inshallah we'll definitely put that in the description box inshallah so have you um done any kind of traveling sister with the niqab on um, you said you, you obviously started to wear the niqab while living in Saudi Arabia. So when you travelled to India, did you have any experience with the niqab? Did you continue to wear it while you was travelling? Uh, yes. So uh, the first point of transition actually came about uh, after I landed to India. And when I landed back to India, I also had the opportunity to do a lot of speaking engagements and to visit different cities. And each city for me was a different chapter and uh, had different people around with uh, different backgrounds and perceptions of the niqab. So I remember last year visiting to Delhi, which is the capital of India. And I was walking with my husband uh, across the street. We were trying to find something to eat where a woman and her four or maybe five-year-old toddler were just passing by on the other side of the corner. And the child, I remember, looked at me uh, with a jaw dropped and asked her, Moham, uh, what is that lady wearing? Like, I'm assuming that child must have not seen somebody wear that. So she asked her mom, what is that lady really wearing? And the mom responded, uh, who was right next to me, uh, said that nothing, it's just a fancy costume. So uh, subhanAllah, that was uh, like a big blow for me. Mm. Uh, people viewing it as a costume, as a fancy co costume and trying to scare kids. Uh, you know, it, it's subhanAllah, a very different view um, from what I've seen. It's pretty ignorant. SubhanAllah. So what about other cities that you've traveled to? What, what kind of other experiences can you say you've had that might have been positive even? So for the most uh, cities that I've traveled across to in India, Alhamdulillah, I haven't faced any obstructions. I haven't been scanned extra or haven't been passed on those uh, weird looks, weird stares, alhamdulillah. So a lot of people were understanding and respectful and accommodative. But uh, yes, there are times when you see people who may not really be that understanding and that accommodative. Alhamdulillah. So considering, considering the experience that you've had um, living in Saudi Arabia and now living in India and traveling across the country, would you describe the, the Nakal as being a barrier? And if so, in which sense? I think it's important to define what barrier means to everybody. And uh, certainly everybody will have a different perception of what a barrier means to them. Now, some sisters may call losing a job opportunity because of wearing a niqab a barrier. And there will be other sisters who might 
uh, call uh, discrimination from family and friends or snarky comments or uh, weird stares from people around because of practicing a niqab, a barrier. So uh, I see barrier uh, as a test from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and as a reminder. So I see them in two different ways. Sometimes I see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to test the sincerity of my action, wants to, send, to test the sincerity of my deed, and he may be sending down some obstacles to my way. It could be through certain discriminations, certain comments, or the way I am being treated. And sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may want to remind me to be sincere in my devotion to him. And he may send down some obstacles through my way. So there have been times where I missed out on some opportunities because of practicing a niqab, but I don't see niqab as a barrier towards my growth. I don't really see it as a barrier to my growth. I see it as I rather see that opportunity as a barrier to my devotion to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm. So that's the difference here. Yeah, subhanAllah, I definitely agree with you. And I think that's an important point to mention because, you know, sometimes even when we make a dua for certain things, we could be asking Allah for something that's not going to be beneficial for us in this life and or in the next. So Absolutely. it's important that we have this kind of patience over what Allah has decreed for us and that we have faith in what he has decreed for us as well that is going to be the best for us and always ask Allah to give us the best in this world and the next alhamdulillah mashallah i really like the way you um, phrase that it's a test and a reminder because this life is a test and we're here to be tested and tried in our religion um you know so that we can help to build ourselves in our deen in our growth in that in that sense because i think a lot of the time we get so distracted by the dunya and we kind of start focusing on how to grow and progress in the dunya, but we forget about the akhirah, the next life. So alhamdulillah, it's a really um, important, important reminder. Absolutely. And also says, just want to add something here that if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has closed a door for us, he will open another one. So for the number of times I've lost opportunities because of wearing a niqab, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has always given me a better replacement. So uh, there have been times where I've met people who have been extremely respectful. I have uh, delivered a lot of speaking engagements and uh, the faculty, the hosts, the committee there were extremely understanding, extremely respectful, and extremely accommodative of my needs. So if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes away an opportunity from us, uh, it's not because of uh, a particular action or a particular uh, you know, act or a deed. It's because of, uh, it's, it's basically to understand and for us, to know uh, where we are, where we stand, and to test our devotion. So, yeah. Alhamdulillah, because Allah says in the Quran that, that we think that we can say we believe that and we will not be tested, subhanAllah. So it's Absolutely. very important, yeah, alhamdulillah. So on that note, sister, um, you know, when you mentioned um, doing different kind of engagements and speaking publicly and people being, mashallah, very accommodating and respectful, um, would you say in your experience or have you seen anything that would indicate to you that um, sisters who wear the niqab get treated differently from sisters who wear the hijab? 
Okay, so Alhamdulillah, as of now, I haven't really come across people who have treated me differently from sisters who wear a hijab. But I do know of a lot of sisters around me who wear a niqab and who, you know, we've discussed about this and they, they keep telling me that they have been treated differently because they feel that uh, we... Yani, the sisters who wear a niqab are a minority within the minority. So there are some stigmas, some taboos, some uh, some biases against uh, women who wear a niqab versus women who uh, wear the hijab. So there is uh, a change of attitude. There is a change of mind. There is a change of uh, behavior with uh, how they are treated. So yes, but and, Alhamdulillah, I haven't really seen that uh, in my scenario. Alhamdulillah. So have you come across any sisters who, for example, are wearing the hijab, but they would like to wear the niqab? Yes, I do. I have, uh, I, in fact, I know of a sister who really wanted to wear the niqab, uh, but wanted to study more about it. So yeah, I think it's best to first learn what you're signing up for and uh, basically prepare yourself completely before uh, you sign up for any opportunity of, or any act of devotion. Yeah, Alhamdulillah, I think that's really good advice. And would you say that you've met any sisters, um, I mean, you've lived in Saudi Arabia, Do you, have you met any sisters who um, have been forced into wearing the niqab? Because often that's the perception that um, the media, at least in the West, I don't know how it is perceived in India, but in the West, it's perceived that if you're covering your face, if you're, you know, covering your body completely, that means that, you know, somebody has forced you to wear it, maybe a male in your family or something like that. So, especially living in Saudi Arabia, and um, that's the perception of women over there as well, and women in other Muslim countries. So, have you um, met any sisters like that? Uh, yes, I have met uh, a couple of sisters like that, but not as many as the media would like to project. So unfortunately, there is a stereotypical view about Saudi Arabia where a lot of people feel that women are forced to wear the niqab, but that's not really true. But on the flip side, yes, there are people, there are girls, there are sisters out there who have been uh, pushed to wear a niqab by their family and that doesn't just include uh, the male members of the family so for example I know of a sister who was forced to wear it by family but eventually dropped it after marriage so coercion doesn't lead to devotion mm. forcing somebody doesn't really lead to an act of devotion devotion comes from the heart and it needs uh, heart, it needs to start from the heart it needs uh, to start from your mind, you need to be ready to take it on. It can't be pushed down uh, to somebody. That's what I feel about it. Alhamdulillah, I definitely agree with that. So on the flip side, have you met any sisters who have been prevented from wearing it even though they've got the desire to wear it? Uh, yes, there have been sisters who have been uh, prevented from wearing the niqab, not necessarily from their family or the environment around them, but it's just that uh, they feel discouraged and they're fearful about uh, the perception that people might have about them 
after they wear the niqab on. So a lot of sisters are not really technically forced uh, or technically stopped from wearing the niqab. All right. So it's usually their fear, their anxiety, their perception about how they would be treated differently after wearing one. So I know a couple of sisters uh, who have been considering wearing a niqab, but they're too fearful to take this step forward as they're anxious about what awaits them next. SubhanAllah. Would you, are those sisters, are they married or are they unmarried? Uh, most of them are unmarried. Okay. So do you, do you think that that has something to do with it? Because often, um, even with wearing the hijab, um, in some cultures, Muslim cultures, um, young sisters, even their families might encourage them to not wear the hijab and wait till they get married in, 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 in order to start wearing it. So do you think that could have something to do with it? Do you think that there's a fear that if they are covering themselves more, um, that uh, you know they wouldn't maybe be able to find a husband? Yes, there's definitely that aspect, uh, the cultural aspect where parents usually discourage uh, their daughters, uh, the family members discourage their sisters to, you know, not wear the niqab on, to not wear the hijab on so that they may not be able to attract a good prospective spouse. That's one side. And then there's the professional side where a lot of sisters are looking for opportunities to grow and they're scared that they might be discriminated at workplace or they might lose out on opportunities and promotions. So there's the cultural aspect, the cultural perception and view, and then there's also uh, the professional burden that's been rising. SubhanAllah. So sister, on that note, um, what advice would you give to sisters who are thinking of wearing the niqab but they, you know, they feel this kind of, you know, as you mentioned, discouraged and, you know, they're kind of hesitant to take that step to put it on? I think uh, my only advice to the sisters out there who are considering and thinking about wearing a niqab is to find your calling. Uh, it's once again, just putting this out here, devotion comes from the heart. So find your way through it. If you need time, if you need to learn more about it, take all the necessary steps before you sign up for something. Learn about it. Speak to the other sisters who might be practicing the niqab on. Uh, speak to them. Ask for their views about their perceptions. Uh, study about the rulings and significance of the niqab uh, and understand its uh, value, understand its importance, its significance as an act of devotion versus just a cloth that covers your face and hinders you from uh, every growth and every opportunity out there. And uh, it's also really important to understand that uh, a lot of people have this view that niqab stagnates your growth. So just uh, going to address that in, uh, in brief here that for a lot of sisters who are considering wearing a niqab on, this is for you. Niqab does not stagnate your growth, does not hinder your professional growth. You can be anyone and anyone out there with your niqab on. You can be a confident, uh, thriving Muslimah, a Muslimah full of potential out there with a niqab on following your passion, following your calling, uh, 
devoting yourself to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as well as having a stable uh, professional growth. So the niqab does not stop you uh, from missing out on all the fun. It is an opportunity to devote yourself to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and uh, to grow closer to him. So this is my advice to all the sisters out there to understand and uh, debunk all the myths around wearing it. Alhamdulillah, mashallah, that's really clear and concise and beautiful advice, mashallah, especially for um, sisters who are interested in going into more professional fields as well, mashallah, I think that's really, um, really good advice. So sister, on a final note, and just to end the interview, I will ask you, what does the niqab mean to you? The niqab to me is a comfort place. It's my heaven. It's my sanctuary. It's where I'm the most comfortable in. It defines me, defines who I am as a person, and it's a part of my identity. It's beyond a piece of cloth for me. It not just protects me it protects my vulnerabilities it uh, does not just conceal my face it conceals my flaws so niqab for me has a very different meaning uh, from just wearing it uh, for the purpose of morality it's it's beyond that for me it's an act of devotion for me a way of growing closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for me Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, it's so beautifully expressed. MashaAllah, sister, Jazakallah khair for joining us today on the Naqabi Diaries. I really appreciate it. Inshallah, we will put the link to your, um, your counselling service in the description so that, inshallah, people can benefit and get some help as well. Well, Yaki says, it was absolutely a pleasure to have this insightful conversation with you today. Alhamdulillah, sister. Thank you for having me here. Thank you so much for taking your time. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.